Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And hi there. How are you this week, this day? It is uh, summer extraordinaire. I um, have to say Richard will be joining us in just a minute. This is Linda. And um, I have just come from Phoenix, actually, and I stepped off the plane, and it was only 97 degrees in Salt Lake City, and I was so happy because it was 112 when we left, and it really, it felt so cool and refreshing to be only 97. So um, I've been on the road, but um, Richard's been actually up at Bear Lake. And he's on his way back down, but going through kind of a black hole through the AT&T maze. So he'll be joining us in a few minutes. But we thought we would talk a little bit today about parenting, the full range of parenting. You know, we started with parenting when our little kids started joy school. We started a program when our kids, we had three or four little preschoolers and decided we needed something to survive. So... We started something called Joy School, which sounds um, a little bit cheesy, but actually, and it is, but it is has been such an amazing thing for us through the years. Um, it is a little program for preschoolers, and uh, it's a mother's co-op, so the mothers rotate teaching. There are two lesson plans a week, and some of you listening may have been Joy School parents or are now. Actually, we just had the graduations last month, but... It really has been an amazing program, and everywhere we go, there are Joy School moms. In fact, I was with my daughter um, in Phoenix who was giving a speech to a group of mothers called Let's Play Music. Um, It's an amazing program that they're also doing for young children, and there were so many Joy School moms there, just incredible. There was a family with nine daughters who had all done Joy School and four sons. I don't know about they and their wives, but... Actually, they were just an amazing, outstanding family. It was 56 grandkids or something like that. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. But what the reason I mention that is because the creator of the lesson plans, the basic lesson plans for Joy School, was Richard's mother. Her name is Ruth, and we have adored her all of her life. She's been a widow for over 50 years, and that's way too long to be a widow. Poor dear, and she just did magnificent things. She had an early childhood development uh, degree, and we left her with a book called Teaching Your Children Joy when we went to England for three years and then came back, and she had organized these beautiful lesson plans every five minutes uh, telling the moms what to do, now do this, now do this. We had people who showed up out of the woodwork saying, I'll do the music and I'll do the art. I'll help with stories, and it was absolutely an amazing experience. Probably over 150,000 parents have done Joy School now, which is amazing. But the reason, that's just really all an introduction to the full spectrum of parenting. Because um, the sad thing is now, Grandma Ruthie, as we call her, um, is 90, over 90. And she has been planning to die since she was 84. Her parents both died at 84. And she did a beautiful family history her parents are so interesting and came from Sweden and there were 10 children in their family. Her oldest sister is Mae Swenson, who is one, probably one of the 10 top poets in America. She published many books before she passed away. And um, it's just an incredible mind and all of them have 
different gifts and this wonderful family. But now she has um, really lost her grip on reality and her memory is gone. Um, we do think it's dementia. We know that probably many people listening have um, mothers or grandmothers who are dealing with either dementia or Alzheimer's. She's retained her sweet personality, which is what makes us think that it is dementia rather than Alzheimer's because often the Alzheimer's um, people are uh, lose their personalities and become different people. And she is certainly her same little self and she has a little twinkle in her eye and a sense of humor occasionally um, but she's lost track of who we all are and we spent a week with her last week uh, Richard's brother is with her full time in her own home which is so wonderful for her and for us but he just took a excuse me a six week leave of absence and uh, just had we had uh, to cover the rest of us filled in. And it's been a wonderful family experience, actually. Um, he has a brother in California, and he and his wife came for a week. We have a brother who lives quite near, and his wife is able to come and help take care for a week or 10 days. And then he has a sister who actually has Asperger's, uh, which was re- just recently diagnosed at age 50 or 50. I guess maybe it was, which is a sad story because we could have done so much for her if we'd known earlier. But she came in and helped, and uh, it was just good for everyone to be involved. But the actual day-to-day of living in this kind of muddy maze of the world is so sad to see when they've been so bright. You know, she came into the room um, when we were there, uh, and we were having a little birthday party for one of her grandsons. And so there were a lot of people there, and of course she didn't know anyone. And uh, she put her hands out like, ta-da, here I am, you know, and, and was so cute as she kind of um, shuffled into the room. But also we said, Grandma, how do you feel? And she took one hand and felt up and down the, her arm, on her other hand, and said, oh, I, I feel just fine. <laughs> And we had to laugh at that because she was um, still had that little spark of sense of humor. But the sad thing now is that she does have long-term memory still somewhat. Some days are better than others, for those of you who've dealt with this. And it is so um, interesting to see what roles her brothers and sisters' names just roll off her tongue because she said it so much in her life. And... Richard loves to do nursery rhymes with her because, you know, he she did nursery rhymes with him for so many years. And it was just such a delight to um, hear her repeat the last line of every nursery rhyme that he could do. It, I mean, the last word of every line and then the last line. So, you know, all that stuff is in that brain somewhere, but she's just... Uh, asking who we are over and over and over again. And those of you who are dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's know exactly what we're saying. She um, is such a wonderful woman, and she just keeps waking up every day, and she's so mad when she wakes up. I mean, she just like, oh, no, I, I'm still alive. Oh, no. And... Um, she, her husband, who died when he was 39 and she was 38, um, 
died of colon cancer before they had any idea of what to do with it. Uh, they came to her parents, his parents, and said, you know, we have this experimental thing that we can try, but we don't know if it'll work. And his mother just said, nope, my son is not a guinea pig. We are not doing that. And so uh, it was the preliminaries of what saves a lot of lives now. But he was gone. And I remember when we were first engaged, we were just kids. And um, she was um, older, but not much older, but... Um, it was probably 25 years after that, after he passed away. And so my thought was, well, it's so sad that he died, but at least they were old. Oh, my gosh. And then when I got to be 38 and 39 and, and Richard as well, it was such a startling thing to realize how young they were when they lost each other. So she went on and raised uh, You know, I'm, enjoy- I'm enjoying this so much, Linda. I, har- I hardly even want to break in. Oh, hi there. I, um, I'm glad you're out of the fog yourself there in the AT&T world. Um, how long have I, we got before, how long have we got before a break? We have about three minutes. So, oh, um, well, I've, I, okay. I've given him the history of your mother and, um, the wonderful woman that she is and the early age your dad died. And, and now, um, we're just going on to the contributions she's made. We've talked about Joy School, and we're talking about the whole spectrum of parenting, from parenting those little preschoolers where she started to parenting your parents. Well, and, you know, the thing that I think is most relevant to the listeners, and you're probably way ahead of me on this, honey, is so many of those who are still taking care of at least some of their own children uh you know, maybe they're older kids, but they're still living at home, also have the responsibility, more and more, the percentages are going up dramatically, also have the responsibility for an aging parent. And that is really, really a tough thing. I mean, we're so fortunate in our case that we've got my brother who, uh, through some unfortunate circumstances of his own with a divorce and so on, found himself in a situation where not only was he able to move in with my mom and take care of her as she lost her memory and was unable to function on her own, it was actually a good thing for him. It was something he needed at the time because of his own life situation. And uh, it was a win-win situation, which is all I can say is very, very, very fortunate. Most people do not have a fortunate circumstance like that and end up I mean, we talk about life balance, Linda, and, you know, life balance is hard enough if you're just trying to carry on a career and be a parent at the same time. But if you're trying to carry on a career, be a parent, take care of an aging parent yourself, uh, have some church responsibilities, have your own interests, your own life, life can become unbelievably complicated and difficult to balance. And we know so many people that are struggling with that kind of uh, a mix right now in their lives. It's so true. And so really, we feel blessed. We did, excuse me, we did look at rest homes and senior facilities and so on. And as lovely and wonderful as they are, it is just so nice that she's been able to stay in her own home because she's so disoriented anyway. And Well, she wouldn't have left home. I mean, the interesting thing is before she was disoriented, while she still had some of her faculties left, 
you couldn't even mention leaving your home. That was like, this is my home. I built this home. This is my home. I have to stay here. And uh, now, you know, if she had to go to a rest home now, she probably wouldn't know it all the time, but there would be moments when she would say, I don't like it that I'm not in my home. Right, exactly. So aging is an interesting thing, and I think in in the second half of the show today, we'll talk a little bit about aging because we're working on a new book, and uh, it has to do with aging because as much as we hate to admit it, we also are getting older. So with that, we'll take a brief break, and we'll be back to talk in just a minute. And we're back, and we're back together, Linda and I. We haven't seen each other for four days. I'm driving towards you now, honey, and I've been missing you, and it'll be good to see you. And I wanted to say that, you know, the word age is an interesting word because it sort of uh, repels people, and yet it shouldn't because we're not talking about a lot of age. I mean, you know, there's such a thing as a driving age. There's such a thing as a drinking age. There's such a thing as a voting age. There's such a thing as a retirement age. Age is the number of years you've compiled, and it doesn't have to be oppressive. Um, what we're trying to do in this new book we're working on, which is tentatively called The Five Gifts of Age, we're essentially trying to say, you know, um, If you're a baby boomer, which means you were born sometime between 1946 and 1964, within those 18 years, and Linda and I, I'll just tell you, are at the very top end of that baby boomer list, but if you're uh, born within those years, you're one of 80 million baby boomers in this country. It's It's the biggest sort of bulge going through the demographic of America in in the country's history, and guess what? Baby boomers are now, and it's interesting because baby boomers are known for their their perpetual youth and trying to preserve youth, and nobody could believe it when they turned 30, and they tried to ignore it when they turned 40 and started having a little work done, a nick and a tuck, and so on, and now guess what? It's creeping up on all of us, and it's not a bad thing because what's happened is the life expectancy, quality life expectancy, has extended so dramatically that one of the conclusions we're coming to in this book is that the 60s, if you're in your 60s or approaching your 60s, as baby boomers are, it's really the new 40s because you've probably got another 20 years at least 20 good years, uh, which is what people used to plan on when they were in their 40s. So 60s is the new 40s, and the the thesis of this book, I think, Linda, is guess what? The things you've gained over the course of your age or your years far outweighs the things you might be starting to lose. Maybe you're losing a step on the basketball court or maybe you're losing a couple strokes on the golf course but who cares that's why we have things like handicaps and uh, you can keep on doing things in fact Linda has discovered at her ripe old age the top end of baby boomers that uh, she's become a biker all of a sudden Linda I don't know how that happened suddenly you're into biking mountain biking road biking why is that 
Uh, There is a good reason, and that is that Richard gave me an electric bike for my birthday. It was awesome. Actually, he ordered it on eBay, I think, and then it got here, and I was so excited, and it didn't work. So he took it to three or four different bike shops, and, of course, the bike company's gone out of business, and usually we've had good luck with eBay, but this was not our best uh, adventure. So he finally... At double the price of the original bike, found somebody that could fix it. And honestly, we have had so much fun with those electric bikes. I mean, you get to well, the hill. Well, per- and- let me just let me just say it's a perfect metaphor for what we're trying to say in this book, Linda. Because you know, here's Linda who you know rides on harder trails and further distances than she's ever done before, ignoring her advancing age completely supplementing it and substituting for it with a little lever on the bike that gives her just the little assistance she needs when she's on a a steep hill. And and that's kind of how aging is for those lucky enough to enter the aging process as baby boomers. There are a lot of things that give you just a little bit of an assist, and you can essentially kind of keep on doing pretty much all the things you are doing now, of course. Uh, sorry to interrupt. I'll get back to you, honey, but you, I'm making up for lost time on the early part of the show. But, uh, yeah, of fine. course, of course, it's not just about can you still ride a bike and can you still play golf. It's, it's a golden time of life because you've got more freedom than you've ever had before. Now, some people say, wait a minute, I'm raising my grandkids or whatever. And there's a lot of exceptions. But by and large, people who are, in their 60s or approaching their 60s have more freedom in a number of ways. Not only do they usually not have as much family responsibility as they had earlier, they also are probably at a point in their career and in other things where they don't really care so much what other people think. They're not out trying to impress anyone or build their resume. There's an attitude that lends to a new kind of freedom, and we think it's great, and we we hope we can convince people to read the book that they're entering the best time of their life. You know, it really is so different. I was just um, down in Phoenix, as I mentioned at the first, with a daughter and uh, her little family of five, and I, I so remembered suddenly, <laughs> you know, every time you go into these little families that are just over booked and so on with everybody doing lessons of every kind, um, I went down for a dance review, but our daughter had to give a speech at another place, and then we have a son who just got a new job and just turned 16, and so he was off, and then they have swim camp, so this morning we dropped kids off at, at, at swim camp, and then we got another daughter to a summer school class, and then, I mean, it was just, it just never ending. It was their other grandma's birthday, so we ran out there on uh, Saturday. Um there was a missionary who was coming home, so we went to that on Sunday uh, of a nephew and so on. And honestly, it just hits you in the face all there is. I mean, I'm not even talking about laundry and dishes, and there's a lot of that, too. But I was just thinking, whew, you know, after a few days in that, I can just come home and open my computer and do what I need to do. And it is just absolutely heavenly. I mean, not that I did that I hated it. I mean, although there were a lot of days when I thought, how can I survive this day? But it is a wonderful time of life when you can really focus on what your grown kids need now and what grandchildren need, but it's not every day in your face thing like it used to be. 
Well, and I think, again, uh, the, the whole idea of this tentative book that uh, is coming gradually to pass is that the old analogy of seasons of life is pretty good, especially if you if you say, you know, autumn is a long season. Autumn sort of starts, if we're comparing it to to a year, it kind of starts in September, and that's Indian summer, and it's a beautiful time, and then you've got October, which is great, and then you've got November, where things are getting a little colder, but you've got Thanksgiving, and then you've got December, you've got Christmas. So if you compare sort of the frame of time that we're writing to people, these baby boomers who are, you know, approaching their 60s or maybe barely entering their 60s, it's kind of neat to say, you know, that's that's sort of September. I've got an Indian summer here, maybe 10 years. And then I've got an autumn, a beautiful, rich time of life when, you know, I'm getting a lot of, uh, um, a little more leisure, a little more freedom. I'm able to be with my grandkids and watch them grow without worrying about them in quite the same way I did about my kids. And then I've got sort of another uh, 10 years that maybe compares with November, and it's it's declining a little. It's late fall, but... Uh, you got Thanksgiving. You got a kind of a wonderful ten years of maybe a reflective time and a time to really be grateful. And maybe that's like you know, uh, seven seventy to eighty years old. Maybe that's that decade. And then you've got to, you're still not done really with autumn because December is it's sort of the start of winter, but it's holiday winter. You know, we don't. People don't dislike December. It's January and February. That's deep winter. That's when, that's the 90s. That's that's when you're entering your 90s. That's when life is likely to wind up. But uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's let's enjoy, you know, the decades, maybe four, three or three and a half decades that we could call a long, beautiful, rich autumn of life. And we're the first generation that's ever had that luxury and i'm just getting excited about it linda i mean i think it's here here's the interesting thing we we found a great quote no wise man ever wishes to live his life over in other words be honest if you're in your 60s or approaching your 60s would you go back would you suddenly be 30 again i don't think so i wouldn't i'm liking it right now no way yeah no way i just I know there are some mothers that so miss having their kids and so on around all the time and so on. <laughs> and I know there are a lot of grandmothers, as you mentioned earlier, raising children. But um, I just I had so much fun and it's so much stress doing that. But it was absolutely awesome, and I wouldn't go back for anything. I just think progress really means going on and living, you know, each stage and each era of your life to the fullest. Of course, your health makes a huge difference, and so there'll be a big section on health in this um, in this book. And we're becoming more and more aware of our health just because it makes everything else wonderful if you feel good and you and your body's working for you. So we happen to be lucky to start out with good bodies, but boy, it's a job to take care of them after a while. Well, it really is, and. Uh... So now let's say you're out there listening and you're a young parent and you tuned in because you thought you'd get some parenting advice. Sorry, you didn't get much today. But, you know, there isn't a person, Linda, who 
who doesn't have some issue relating in some way to age, and most often it's your parents, if you're a young parent, it's your parents who you need to understand the kind of life stage they're in, and you need to, if you're a young parent, you need to say, you know, one way to make my parents' life richer, and I'm not talking about if you're giving them care or if they're infirm or something. I'm talking about normal parents still on their own, but they're now the grandparents to your kids. One of the greatest things you can do for them and for their life, vigor and so on, is to sit down with them every once in a while and say, Mom and Dad, let's discuss the kids. We're the parents. We're in charge of them. But we value your input. We value your advice. And frankly, there's some things you can probably do for our kids that you can do better than we can. And let's be a team. Let's let's have you as our consultants. Now, if you're if if you're a wise grandparent, you're not going to initiate that meeting yourself because it'll sound like, hey, kids, I'm telling you, you could do better on parenting my grandkids. And nobody's going to like that. But if you're a young parent, you ought to initiate the meeting and sit down, yeah. take your parents to dinner, and recruit them as backups to you. Yeah, absolutely. And and really, we've covered the whole spectrum today. We're out of time. We're, we're talking, we started with preschool and joy school, and then on to taking care of these aging parents and being parents to them. But there's also a lot of middle ground. So we wish you the very best as you go, go on with your great parenting exodus. And adventure. So we hope you'll join us again next time. See you next time on Ayers on the Road.